Welcome back, everybody, to Drive Into the Basket, part of the Basketball Podcast Network. I am Mike, joined as always by uh, a very happy Dante and uh, I think a somewhat <laughs> content uh, Tommy, who's probably less less upset than Dante is. Uh, I'm feeling okay. The start <laughs> yeah. of the season has been a disaster, mm-hmm. uh, but that's fine. So, fellas, you got any thoughts before we launch right into it? You know, Mike, it's just a wonderful day to be a Lions and a Pistons fan. <laughs> <laughs> the Lions. The Lions. They haven't won yet, have they? Oh, no. No, why would they? Professional yeah. football team, why would you win? Um, no, no. They lost 44-6 to to the Philadelphia Eagles, who are also garbage. Interesting. And I thought, let's cleanse my palate with a nice Pistons game. And that was that was fun. Yeah, I mean, it was against the Nets. I don't think that was bound to go rather poorly in the first place, especially with a team that's still figuring, is still just figuring out so much. But... Uh, all right, so uh, really today, just that one we'll be talking about. We'll talk, of course, about Cade Cunningham, talk about Killian Hayes, uh, always a pressing topic, well, these days anyway. We'll talk about uh, a little bit about the fit between Killian and Cade that we saw. What's wrong with the offense? There's plenty to talk about there. <laughs> uh, talk a bit about the starters versus the bench, and uh, then a little bit about the center position. And then we'll close with some user-submitted questions. So just to start out, biggest event, of course, of the week was the season and NBA overall debut of first overall pick Cade Cunningham. Didn't play many minutes. He was on minutes restriction, only played 17, and then was rested. We're, we're uh, recording this about maybe like an hour or two after the uh, the loss against the Nets. So he was rested tonight on the second night of a back-to-back. So, uh, yeah, Tommy, what did you think about Cade's debut? Well, for all the stat lines that people were posting about, like I think he's going to drop 25, 5, and 5. Uh, I think... Everybody was wrong, but I don't think anybody's panicking because even though the stat line was pretty bad, the impact was felt. You know, he was definitely scrapping, uh, playing good defense. I think Orlando really game planned for him. Like they doubled him on his very first possession, and that's that's a welcome sight because that's exactly what you want. A guy like Kate is supposed to draw gravity and create advantages through that. And for a, a player with that level of passing vision, that's exactly what you want. He didn't hit his shots, but that's just going to come with time. He looked like a player who has missed the past month uh, with an ankle sprain. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say Kate has a certain gravity to him and not gravity in the traditional sense of, you know, like a Steph Curry has gravity, but gravity more so in, in the, in the notion that you can kind of see um, the, the shadow of a star player, right? You can see what he's going to be. And, and I thought that, you know, the description of him as a human connector was a good one. Because even though it didn't show up in the box score, I thought he played, um, I'm not going to say well, because one for eight or one for nine or whatever it was from the field is is not a good game. And you definitely don't want to be making excuses for that. However, I thought that the things that made him the number one overall pick were on full display. So he was, in my opinion, about as close to a lockdown defender as someone can be in their first game. I thought he was excellent on that end, both in positioning, quick hands, um, one-on-one defense, hustle. He looked great. Um, he's a very gifted passer as well. I thought there were a few sloppy turnovers, but that, you know, it comes with the territory. And I've said before, I'll say it again, the very best passers in the NBA experiment a lot. And when they experiment, they're going to turn the ball over. So I'm not super concerned with the turnovers. I thought the passing was excellent otherwise. And yeah, like Tommy said, the shot may not have fallen, but Cade has actually earned, unlike some people on this roster, 
has earned the benefit of the doubt. He was an excellent shooter uh, in college, and I really don't have any doubt that he's going to be an excellent shooter in the NBA too. So when the shot starts falling, he's he's going to be really, really something special in my opinion. I, well, I mean, it was a debut. I agree with Tommy. It, he looked like a player who really hadn't played five on five in some time. Definitely. And he'd had a few days of practice with the crews, but really in terms of getting worked up to play in the NBA, I mean, obviously that wasn't there. They sent him out there to get his feet wet. Some things looked good. Other things did not. His defense, of course, looked good. Just his overall bearing with the game. I mean, the guy's got excellent defensive IQ. I agree the shot will fall. So here's one thing about Cade. He's always going to be somewhat lineup dependent. Because, yeah, he isn't the kind of a guy you're just going to give the ball to and expect him to go blazing into the interior and score because he's just not that kind of player. If he had that degree of athleticism, we'd be looking at <laughs> I mean, his, his entry into the NBA would be her- would have been heralded uh, to the same extent as, say, uh, Zion Williamson. Uh, by the way, Zion, dude, lose some weight. We want to see you play in the NBA. Anyway, <laughs> yep. so it's basically... He's going to need time to adjust to the NBA. There are those legitimate concerns about his ability to score in the interior, his ability to gain separation. He's a smart player. It's going to take time. I'm confident he'll be able to do it, but really the lineup is going to make a difference for him. He needs guys around him who can move off the ball, guys around him who can shoot, uh, you know, guys around him who can space the floor. I uh, know shooting and spacing the floor, same thing, but man, was that like just a lineup in which he was set up to fail with Killian, who doesn't move off the ball well and doesn't shoot well, with Isaiah Stewart. We'll talk about this later, but he's basically been used as a traditional center by Casey thus far in the season, not spacing the floor. Uh, with Grant, who's just been terrible so far. Again, something else we'll talk about. And uh, just, and this is like the least athletic lineup I've seen in a long time. So, uh, whatever the case. Yeah, we'll see how things go as as the season goes on and he actually gets back into game shape. But man, is it distressing that this thing, the first thing we really had to look forward to in a long time, that the injury had to happen. <laughs> you know, it's probably going to be a month into the season before Kate is really in game shape. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's definitely disappointing. And even when we do have nice things happen to us, they can't be fully all the way nice. Um, I, I think fans aren't really going to want to hear this, but this is sort of my take that I wanted to give but uh if anybody was thinking about betting on Cade for rookie of the year I probably wouldn't do it um I just I don't know I can't shake this feeling that it's going to be minutes restrictions and in and out of the lineup for some unspecified amount of time as we still try to sort through this mysterious ankle injury and it's going to take him a while to get into game shape and then this isn't meant to be an indictment on who he is as a player or who I we all think he can become as a player, but I don't know if he'll be able to, or at the very least be afforded the opportunity to put up the counting stats that are requisite for an award like that. So if he wins it, great. Um, Not really expecting it, which is kind of a bummer, but that was a bit of a side tangent, just something I've been thinking about. Yeah, it's definitely a narratives and highlights award. And neither of those things are on Cade's side right now. No, Scotty Barnes is, he's putting up big numbers. Jalen Green is putting up pretty crazy dunks, even though he's not playing super well. Cade is just going to take some time. And that's maybe kind of the story of Cade Cunningham. Like one of the things that I had said prior to that game, and it didn't end up happening, but I said at Oklahoma State, Cade Cunningham, he kind of takes his time in the first half. And in the second half, after he's kind of learned a little bit about his opponent, that's when he comes alive. And that's kind of what I expect him to be this season. I think it's going to take him a little while to get going, but I fully expect him to be 
a very smart player by the by like mid season. I think it just takes time and reps. I don't think that's something that he's really going to be able to do in the NBA as far as starting slope. But we can bear in mind that I mean he was an eighteen year old in the NCAA. I mean uh, he's still growing at that point, and he was also basically relied upon to carry an offense at the age of eighteen and nineteen. So that was more understandable in that context. Yeah, I would just say this is nothing to overreact to, and I don't think anybody is. But Kate is all was always going to be a guy who he just needs to get the reps. He needs to learn, and so much of what he is is recognizing patterns and you can't recognize patterns if you don't see them. So well, it's, I expect him to feel. get better. It's feel. Remember that, that um, yeah. we've talked about it on yep. the show before this great ringer article, right? About feel for the game and, and how do you quantify that? And is it even a real thing? And yes, it's a real thing. If you've ever played a sport in your life, of course, feel for the game is real. And if anybody has it, it's Cade Cunningham, but and, and it may sound pessimistic to the people listening, but this isn't, an indictment of Cade. Um, I can't stress that enough. Like I personally still feel like he's going to be a superstar player. I really do, but it just may, may not manifest itself. Um, number one, immediately. And number two, in the traditional ways that maybe a top number one overall pick would manifest those characteristics. So remains to be seen. I think he's going to need to be eased in. And of course, like Mike said, it's heavily dependent. His performance is heavily dependent on these lineups around him, which, um, judging by how we've started not looking great not looking great at all so i don't know if that transitions a bit into how we feel the fit with killian is but i was i was going to mention another ringer article about why killian hayes should be the number one overall draft pick (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's a nice transition yeah Yeah. he said his mea culpas for that one i i think obviously the book isn't written on killian i think it's fair to say that he's not going to be the the best player in that draft and uh you know that's fine (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Whatever you don't the case. Think so? uh, no, I mean, there's there's something <laughs> in my head that, that makes me doubt that he's going to be as good as Anthony Edwards or Lamella Ball, for example. I, I still think Anthony Edwards has the highest ceiling on that team. I mean, give me a second to talk about Anthony Edwards. Uh, I really think highly of him. Man, is that guy a tank. And literally the most athletic player when, when he was tested at P3 prior to the draft, literally the most athletic player they had ever seen in that position. And he's just built like a rhinoceros. I mean, it's amazing. The guy... Last year, uh, he was driving to the basket and ran right into Stewart, who was challenging him. And most guys would just bounce off of Stewart. Like Anthony Edwards just stopped in the air, but he wasn't put off of his balance at all. It was really, it's just a very impressive player. And I think he's, I think, still think he's going to be the best player from that draft. So uh, unfortunately, the best player will not be Killian. Now, if Killian could be the fifth player, fifth best player from that draft, we'd be happy. But as far as uh, this is how we've how he's looked, I mean, the last time we spoke on our last episode, he was a complete non-factor. I feel like he's gotten a little bit better. And tonight he was at last, you know, at last, finally, finally, finally driving into the paint and accepting contact. And that was good to see. And he's quick when he decides to be decisive. So he's kind of on the up and up a little bit, but there's a long way to go. Yeah, yeah. In the last episode, I kind of thought like he was maybe being more aggressive with his attacks. And I think right now it's starting to actually look like it actually means something in the NBA. He's actually getting to the hole a few games ago or to start the season. He was, he would get like a foot in the paint and then he would fade away from contact. He was definitely afraid of the bigs, but right now it's not that he's like putting his shoulder into guys in the restricted area, but he is actually getting all the way to the cup and that's progress. I don't think that he's a starting point guard in the NBA right now. I think right now his greatest value by mid-season or maybe the end of the season would be a backup point guard but 
progress is progress. And no matter how you feel about Killian, his best usage, whether it is a backup point guard, 3 and D, whatever you want to call him, or as a trade piece, it all has to come from Killian getting better. So absolutely still rooting for him. And I'm happy to see this progress. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to, maybe it's the Lions fan in me that just wants to throw a wet blanket over everything today. I don't know. They, they just, they ripped my heart out today, guys. And then the Pistons didn't make my day any better. But regarding Killian, I think Tommy, you're absolutely correct in that his value is absolutely going to come from his improvement. And I think something just about the game tonight, I don't know. I was watching Durant. I was watching Harden just absolute first ballot hall of famers, no question. And they, and they were just incredible tonight. And here we are, you know, people on Pistons Twitter getting extremely fired up about Killian who had like six points and an assist or something like that. And it's like, man, I do love the improvement. I, I, I do see the marginal um, steps forward into becoming uh, a replacement level offensive player, but man, is he starting from a low point and man, does he have a long way to go? I mean, even just, Turning into a broader discussion about the teams in general, just the talent disparity between a Brooklyn Nets team who didn't even go to the finals last year and this Pistons squad right now, it's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot of internal development. It's going to take some external acquisitions. And, you know, Killian really was the face of this rebuild because he was the first uh, pick of the Troy Weaver era. And we really need to see some improvement. And, and as much as I like to, you know, be optimistic about some marginally better performances as of late, he's still got an extremely long way to go in my opinion before he number one justifies his draft uh, position and number two becomes an effective player. Oh, absolutely. I agree. He's got a long way to go. We are starting from a low point when we're commending a a point guard for driving aggressively into the paint. Exactly. Yeah. Really like for the most part this season, it's been really frustrating to watch him play like really frustrating because you rarely even see NBA players on the floor getting minutes who are, who are playing this badly. Yep. It was basically get a pick, drive into the interior and give the ball up and run away. So uh, oddly enough, he is actually shooting decently on catch and shoot threes on very low volume. Uh, he has yet to hit one of his step back threes. I don't think this is the best time for him to even be trying those, but who knows? Maybe there's really nothing to lose. Whatever the case, as long as the guy can get into the interior and break down defenses a little bit and bring that passing of his to bear and that passing is very good. And that defense, that offensive IQ is still very good. Then at the very least, it'll be somewhat enjoyable to watch him. I guess really that that's really just for me, something this season. I don't expect the business to be good, of course, but I would like them not to be a train wreck and to be actually able to play real honest to goodness basketball, which they really haven't done so far. Uh, he is looking good on defense. I mean, you can say whatever you want. I mean, the guy is, is competing on defense. He's got great hands. I think he had five steals tonight, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Five. He, yeah. He knows where to go. He's got, he's got good instincts as far as how a play is going to develop from the other side. He is strong. I mean, he can get switched on uh, by stronger players and still have a fair shot of holding up at least. So that much is good. You know, on the defensive end, I, I think there's much to be happy about. But of course, the offense has to be there. You know, the offense is more important than the defense, and he's nowhere near there yet. Yeah. Mike, you brought up an interesting point or a stat. This is something that we talked about a little bit last year, the catch-and-shoot threes versus the -the off-the-dribble threes. Killian has always looked better at the catch-and-shoot. So you factor in Cade Cunningham. Everybody does, for the most part. Yeah, Yeah, everybody Everybody does. Everybody does. Trey Young or James Harden. Yeah, Yeah. 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 but Killian is like, last year it was like 12% on the non-catch-and-shoots. So that's catastrophic. It's not 
it's not even useful at all. Has your maybe suggested usage of Killian or what you want him to be right now? Like if you were Dwayne Casey or you're the front office and you're like, how do we maximize our players? What should we do with Killian? Like if the options are you stick him in the Lonzo ball, three and D roll, like you, you think, all right, let's put the ball in Cade's hands. Killian is off ball. He's moving around. If you can get him to set his feet and let it fly, maybe he's more useful that way. Or you say, no, Killian has to be used as an on-ball guy. His passing is one of his biggest strengths. Uh, do you do you continue? How would you use him right now? Like the options in my mind are Killian comes off the bench as the primary option. Killian starts as the primary option and Cade has to take a back seat or you have like a middling mix of those guys, but Killian still has uh, an on-ball role or Killian plays off ball. How would you use him? Because personally right now I would send Killian to the bench. I think that's where he's most useful. And that's, I think how uh, the most development will happen in, in that sense. You boost his trade value the highest. I think I have a feeling Mike will agree with me on this. I think this question is best tackled probably in what's going to happen versus what the, or sorry, what the front office wants to happen. So therefore what's going to happen and what would actually be the optimal use of Killian. So I completely agree with you, Tommy. I think his optimal use would be as the bench point guard because I don't, while I, yeah, he's he's a better catch and shoot three point shooter than he is off the dribble. Everybody is. I still don't think he's a good enough three point shooter to be considered three and D. And while his defense is certainly good, he was excellent tonight. Not even a world-class defender has a place in the NBA if they can't even be replacement level on offense. So right now, he's just a hindrance to the starting unit. I think he's best, you know, utilizing his passing, utilizing his facilitating, maybe going up against lesser competition uh, against other bench units. That's probably the optimal role for him. But that's unfortunately not (laughs) what I think is going to happen. What I think is going to happen is more of what we saw against Orlando, which is Cade sort of playing second ball handling fiddle to Killian, which we'll get into, but I think that's a massive mistake. And you park Cade in the corner and you let Killian kind of, I don't know, make menial passes around the perimeter, maybe attempt a, some kind of three or some kind of, sorry, crappy floater, crappy layup. Sometimes he airballs them. It's, it's pretty brutal. That's what's going on right now. And if they keep trying to force a, a square peg into a round hole, I'm not entirely optimistic about the outcome, but if I was Casey... I'd send him to the bench because that just coincides best with where he's at as a player right now. Unfortunately, I don't see that happening. I would say it it kind of depends on how Cade looks coming in. I mean, if Cade maybe a couple of weeks from now really is excelling on the ball, then 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 the story changes. If you really need somebody next to him he can handle, I mean, it's either Killian or it's Corey Joseph, who after a horrible first three games, three or four, has, has done pretty well the last two. And like it or not, right now is the best point guard on the team. So about Killian, uh, watching him with Cade really just nailed home for me, even though sure it was a Cade just coming back from injury and obviously was not up to speed. And we know all of that just nailed home for me that I doubt it's ever going to be a a viable pairing. I mean, you just cannot have a backcourt that is so lacking in athleticism. Cade is not an athletic player. He's got many strengths. He's not an athletic player. That's not necessarily going to hold you back as long as you've got the assets to compensate for it. But I mean, do you see another backcourt in this league that, that has two below average athletes and succeeds? I don't think so. Uh, there's also the matter. I mean, if you see Isaiah Stewart as your long-term center and it's not somebody, you know, some sort of much more athletic center, the Pistons are going to field. If you see Sadiq Bay as your long-term small forward, I mean, you've got such an 
on an athletic lineup there. And you can say, okay, they're skilled, but that's not enough. I mean, athleticism is really important, moving explosively off the ball, just gaining separation off the ball and uh, catching lobs, whatever else. I mean, athleticism provides a sort of spacing of its own because you get guys who are actually able to get away from the defenders off the ball and uh, and cut explosively to the baskets, get open for threes, get open for lobs, whatever else. I mean, this is important. Athleticism is more important than ever in the NBA, and the athletic standard is higher than ever. So I just don't see them being able to work. I mean, this the starting lineup, even if Kate had been moving at full speed, was so listless. I mean, these guys, it just, they're just too few guys who can actually gain separation off the ball. If you look at Lonzo, uh, he is, you know, he was previously playing, I mean, in the backcourt last year, I think he was playing next to Eric Bledsoe, who's pretty much washed up, but, you know, still a decent athlete. And of course, Zion, who draws all of the gravity in the world because the hard, you could basically not be stopped on the way to the basket. So I just don't see it. I don't see it. Or Lonzo, of course, yeah, playing next to Zach Levine and hardly anybody's as athletic as Zach Levine. That guy's really something else. I already knew it, but watching him in those in those Bulls games, man, is he something else as an athlete. So the yeah. best way, I, I think, with, with uh, if K gets up to speed, shows that he can do it as a ball handler. You put, I don't know, maybe Josh Jackson, maybe your best bet in uh, at, at shooting guard as a guy who can at least slash to the basket and uh, and lose his defender because man just just this roster as a whole is in desperate need of good athletes yeah man is it unathletic these guys are just yeah. slow yeah Dante, the... who would you start next to Cade oh man so if this is contingent on Cade getting it done as a ball handler I just oh, the options are so limited well firstly I think it goes without saying Tommy this is something you've been preaching since the offseason the long-term ideal two is not on the roster right now. Are we all in agreement on that? Yeah, I, 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 had, I had hoped for a much better start from Diallo, who just looks even yeah. somehow even more raw than he did last Invisible. season. Exactly, Absolutely. and that's that's yeah. the that's the problem with the question is that if you had asked me that, Tommy, before tonight, I would have said Diallo. I think that if you're in the unenviable uh, position of having to take Killian out because it just doesn't work and putting someone else in there next to Cade, I would have said put the best athlete, put the guy with the highest theoretical upside. But Diallo just looked lost out there, man. Diallo just yeah. looked lost tonight. And Frank, I I mean, he's hit a couple threes, but I think he's been pretty bad this Terrible. season. He's been, yeah, I, I didn't want to say awful, but yeah, awful. Yeah, He's non-existent out there. Maybe he'll pick it up. Maybe he'll pick it up, but to this point, I think he's been borderline unplayable. I think he's been that bad. And Josh Jackson, it's just those struggles with consistency for me. Um, And he's also there, there there again, is is someone who's going to really hurt your spacing in the starting lineup too. And that just can't happen, especially with Grant as ice cold as he's been. So I don't see a good answer right now, Tommy. Like, I love you, brother. I want to give you one, but I just don't have a good answer. (laughs) It's the best. You're going to hate mine. Yeah, 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 what's your answer? Corey yeah, still Corey Joseph. Yeah, oh, I know. there it is. <laughs> still Corey Joseph. I'm not, and here I'm not kidding because, like, I think this is gonna parlay into this bigger discussion about the offense, like the starting lineup versus the bench. But Corey Joseph is one of the few guys who actually plays like a vet. It's because he is, and I think the lineup kind of lacks that right now. Corey Joseph is a positive player right now. I, I know there's a lot of hate for him. I attribute it partially to people don't want to blame the pieces that we're supposed to be building around. And Corey Joseph isn't a long-term piece, but I think he, even though he's had some, he's had some bad games. He's had at least two like bad games, but more often than not, he is a smart role player. 
and he creates advantages. And if Cade is going to take his time being that player, I think it should be Corey Joseph because Josh Jackson, I agree with you. He's too inconsistent. And even though he has his good nights and sometimes he hits his shots consistently, uh, he is not looking to move the ball properly. And I, I see potential in what they're trying to do with the offense right now, but it, it's just going to take time. But I don't think Josh Jackson is going to be that guy who can function within a movement offense. So mm-hmm. that's I'm just my talking, I'm talking the best of the worst, best, best of a bunch of bad options here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. the advantage, <laughs> the advantage of Josh Jackson is that he is very athletic Yeah. now. Yeah. But you saw today was him falling victim to his own bad tendencies. He started the game off strong and uh, having hit some shots, he decided that he was just going to start taking a bunch of bad shots. Right. And he went from doing well from the field to doing badly from the field. I've said it before about Josh. I'll say it again. If he can just hit his threes and doesn't get into that stupid heat check mode, then he could be a useful player. And in that case, maybe he is the best fit next to Kate. Also strong defender again this season. He's been doing great on defense for what it's worth. And yeah. it is worth something. So like Corey Joseph, I don't think is the worst idea in the world. If you want to have two handlers on the floor, uh, he's still a capable defender. If he can shoot his threes and, and he can do his thing on offense. Great. You know, he's a capable player. I mean, I'd say, unless he's playing up to the standard of last season, which was drastically better than his career baseline. His career baseline is solid point guard for a not very good, solid backup point guard, excuse me, for a not very good team. Yeah, I don't think that'd be the worst idea in the world. Good off-ball mover, constantly moving, a good defender. Uh, he's fairly good at setting up his teammates, and he's shifty at, at achieving penetration. Kate, excuse me, uh, Killian can't really achieve that sort of penetration, and it's desperately needed. Yeah I, yeah, I almost wonder. I almost wonder if there's some validity to the what seemed to be such an out there idea, but to the Cade, Bay, Grant, Olinick, and Stewart lineup. Uh, I know that's going to hinder the bench, which I don't know how much we can afford to hinder the bench when the starters have been that bad. But really, if the you goal like Garza as your backup, I, I and, and and yeah, and, and therein lies the issue, right? Is that Garza is just not up to snuff right now on the defensive end. I think he's been okay. Uh, otherwise, but the the defensive liability is a bit much for me right now. I'm not going to go so far as to say that he'll never be a useful NBA player, but he's got a ways to go. Um, I just think that if this season is about maximizing Cade, you really want to surround him with guys who don't hinder his development. You want to surround him with the best guys possible. And, And right now, it might be that unorthodox lineup whether it hurts the bench unit or not. I, I, I don't have any concerns with Bay at the two. Um, any concerns that I did have were pretty much put to rest with his improvements this season. I think he's such a good, smart, defensive player that his athletic deficiencies can be covered um, by his instincts, by his anticipatory movement. Um, so I honestly, I think he can hang with, I mean, not maybe not be a lockdown defender, but hang with two guards in the league at least the average two guard. So I don't think that's that crazy. I, I think it's maybe something we'll see. And if it's a long-term thing, I don't know, but it might be something. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's worth mentioning that we're still very early on in the season and the star point guard, or well, Cade Cunningham just came back. The lineups have been, you know, all sorts of like shifted and messed up. Like they, Hamadou Diallo didn't play against the Magic and he started against the Nets like, Things are just weird right now. They're trying different things. There hasn't been a lot of stability regarding the lineups, and I'm not going to criticize Casey for that right now. They're trying different things. That's what they should be doing right now. And given the fact that a huge part of the offense, you know, the initiator, the primary guy, uh, wasn't playing up until now, that throws a wrench in your plans. So I'm not going to criticize Casey too much for the lineups, but I know that we have some thoughts on that. So I don't know if anybody has anything more to say about Killian and Cade, but... 
there are things to talk about. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was actually in 1943, so I'd say this is a no-brainer. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, don't worry. DraftKings will not leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. They're giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TPPN, throw down $1 on any NFL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a single point. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah, I think this is a good way to transition on to basically what is wrong with the offense right now. Now, the Pistons have one of the worst offenses in the league, obviously. They've been a they've been a fairly capable defensive team, but offensively they've been an absolute mess. I mean, I don't need to belabor the points that offense is how you win games. It's nice that the rules have changed a bit, that the BS fouls are gone. They showed an infographic on the Pistons game on the Pistons uh, broadcast tonight about how free throw attempts have gone down for a bunch of previously high volume free throw shooters who basically just sought out contact and got all sorts of ticky tack fouls called. I think yep. that from all it's I've so seen, great. Yeah, from all I've seen, it's I mean, so from all I've seen, game. it yeah, it's it's very good for the game. I agree. You just you you can play. It's just good that they're gone. They're not constantly going to the line for you know for nonsense fouls. Not, makes for a more fluid product for sure. Yeah, it makes just for more more enjoyable as well. Absolutely. Just overall, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. So basically, what's wrong with the offense? I mean, this there there, there are many many aspects of the answers to this question. I would like to bring up one statistic, and this is granted based on like the first five games. I mean, this statistic doesn't take into account tonight's game, but it wouldn't change a great deal based on tonight's game. So if you look at the four consistent starters, Grant, Hayes, Bay, and Stewart, that four-man lineup in 84 minutes uh, prior to tonight again, though tonight did nothing to change it, is my, as a non, minus 24 net rating. That is, it is outscored by 24 points per hundred possessions. It is absolutely terrible in every respect. 40% true shooting. Not yeah, 40% true shooting. <laughs> now, if you look at the, oh. the bench... If you look at it, uh, the bench unit, the the consistent bench players of Corey Joseph, Kelly Olenek, Trey Lyles, and Josh Jackson, prior tonight to, to tonight, they had a plus 14 net rating. Now, I think it's just as a component of talking about what's wrong with the offense, I think it'd be an interesting exercise to just break down what we think is different between these two units, why one of them is working and the other one is not. I have some, thought, some thoughts on that. Um, to start... Jeremy Grant, he is not playing within the flow of this offense. He's terrible. Uh, maybe, well, you know, yeah. Least, maybe I'll start with the bench. So far. Yeah. Right. Because I think they're a good baseline because I think they are trying to do a nice motion offense. And if it works, it could be something really good because I think the best teams and a really good brand of basketball is ball movement, player movement, but that requires time and chemistry, things that this roster just hasn't established yet. So I'm not going to criticize them too much, especially since so much of the roster is really young. And I think part of the reason that the bench is doing it so well is because they have Kelly Olenek and Corey Joseph. And those guys are actually playing 
this style of basketball really, really well. The offense looks so it's not a coincidence that the offense looks significantly better with Kelly Olynyk, and it doesn't just have to do with the shooting. Kelly Olynyk is passing the ball really well and he's cutting hard. Like oh, he's he is doing playing it real well. very, very crisp. Yeah. Crisp. Basketball. I've been impressed. Like, he sets a screen. He rolls hard. It, it's exactly what you want from him. And that's, that's my point. Like, and then you go over to the starting lineup where it is just, I think Jeremy Grant has been my primary culprit. And I, I love Jeremy Grant, and I think he could be a lot better. But it's like he's trying to play like KD right now without KD-level talent. And what I mean by that is he is settling for so many pull-up jumpers. In, in the Orlando Magic game, his first three shots were isolation, mid-range pull-ups. And that's just not what – I don't think that's what Dwayne Casey is looking for, especially not early in games. So that's like – I guess that sets the scene a little bit. Like that's the problem in my mind. Yeah, that's no, that's a good observation. And I, and I, I really like that you brought up KD because I'm cited as saying, I, I've said it numerous times. I thought Grant at his best last year um, played pretty much exactly like a poor man's Kevin Durant. That's what I thought. That's what I saw. Um, the pull-up jumpers where he's just so tall and he's got such a high arcing shot that nobody can even hope to stop it. Very smooth in and around the basket and and, and really just a high IQ player that could dazzle you a bit with some athleticism too and, and a really good shooter, but not this year, not this year. And maybe that wasn't highlighted so much in the first few games as it was now because we got to see him share the floor with Kevin Durant and he played exactly like Kevin does, but you're right. He just doesn't have the skill to back it up. And I almost wonder, and this is the, nightmarish red alert worst case scenario but I almost wonder if this can be attributed to his shooting regressing to the mean um, and I hope it's not that because he showed such tremendous improvement as a shooter as an offensive initiator just as a player in general last year you know I was convinced and 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 maybe I'm wrong maybe I gotta hold the L here but I was convinced that his shooting had improved and was going to stay improved uh, but if last year was just a fluke um, yeah I don't know I think we may be in for some trouble because Jeremy playing like he did last year with the shooting of this year is the least valuable player, like Mike said. Yeah, he's been real bad. It's, well, it, on the subject of Kevin Durant, I mean, you've got to watch the guy and be amazed. Like with pretty much any other player, you play the best defense you can on him and you hope that he misses his shots. With Kevin Durant, you play the best defenses you defense you can on him and you hope he's just having a bad night. Because, I mean, just the shit, it's about seven feet tall. The shots he can make are just insane. I mean, you want to talk about Grant being a poor man's Kevin Durant. I mean, Grant is like uh, a severely in debt man of Kevin Durant. <laughs> severely in debt <laughs> yeah, man like Kevin, Kevin Durant. Before they entered the game, Kevin Durant. Yeah, it's like it, it's like just a man, like mortgaged up to his elbows, Kevin oh, Durant. Oh, yeah, downtown mission soup kitchen, Kevin Durant, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't want to go for that one, but yeah, it's basically... <laughs> Yeah, you saw KD come in here, and it's basically, okay, I'm just going to come in, and I'm going to take a fadeaway jumper uh, off the dribble that you can't possibly block, and it's going to go in. And so sorry, but this is just the way it's going to be for you tonight. Like, the guy came, it, it's been, this has been told to death, but it's like, this guy came from being like his 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 toe being an inch shorter, his, his shoes being an inch, an inch smaller away from, from going to the finals, so... Whatever the case, yeah, with Grant, I mean, an interesting statistic for him, basically, uh, if you look at last season versus thus far in, in this season, uh, last season in almost exactly the same number of minutes, he averaged 5.3 field goals per game off the drive. Uh, this season so far, that number is 3.8. may not sound huge, but it's significant. 
he's attempting a lot of really crappy mid-range offense. Hardly anybody can make that mid-range offense efficient. He was bad at it last season. He's bad at it this season. The guy just isn't driving hard to the basket like he was last season, and it was really his free throws that made him, and just his offense within the restricted area that that really made him efficient, though he is shooting about as many free throws this season. But there are times at which I feel like he's almost kind of phoning it in and just not wanting to to put his head down and really drive hard to the net, like the sort of like from three feet away layups that he was doing last year, for example, are just not there. He's playing differently. But I don't think it's just Grant. If you look at just the composition of the starting lineup as a whole, sure, you have Killian, who just can't penetrate. <laughs> not very well. He did a better job tonight, but not but not great. Grant, who's not doing it. Uh, Bay, who's not a penetrator. He's a guy who can create some offense off the dribble, but he's not going to be a guy who drives in and breaks down defenses and creates openings to kick the ball out and get open threes. Stewart's not even being used as a spacer. I mean, I feel like just the the makeup of the starting lineup is not good really at all. So, and then of course, whoever's playing a shooting guard, really, <laughs> that can vary. Uh, I, ju- I just think the composition is bad. And yeah. I, I mean, you can compare that to the bench unit, which is moving extremely well. I mean, Bay's not a good off-ball mover. He's just not explosive. He's not a guy who can cut explosively to the basket. He's not a guy who can move around very quickly around the perimeter. Uh, yeah, Grant is Grant. Grant doesn't really move off the ball a ton. Hayes is not a good off-ball player. Uh, Stewart is not a quick off-ball mover. Uh, now you can look at the bench and say, Olenek is a good off-ball mover. You could say, sure, he's not that, uh, that athletic, but he's a good off-ball mover. He's good at achieving penetration. Lyles moves well off the ball. Kojo moves well off the ball. Josh Jackson moves well off the ball. Uh, these guys are just running around and, and getting opportunities open. And then in the starting lineup, you have Jeremy Grant taking pull-up mid-range jumpers, Killian Hayes not doing much of anything. Uh, and Sadiq, really, if he wants to get anything going of his own accord, he needs to really stunt the offense in the process. So, yeah, I, I, I don't really know how to make it work in the starting lineup. Yeah, I don't know how to make it work either. And and I'll tell you this, though. Kate is not a magic elixir or a secret formula to fix this. Um, I think he'll help. I think he'll certainly unlock some dimensions to the offense that were previously inaccessible. But the starting lineup as it's currently constructed, whether you add Cade to it or not, is just not optimal. Um, so we're really going to need some serious internal development. And, and, and like I said earlier, maybe some external help to get things going. Because right now, it, it, I don't know. I don't know. It looked better with Cade out there, but he's not just going to fix everything by himself. Yeah, I would like to bring either Corey Joseph or Kelly Olenek into the starting lineup, just because I think they do so much in the way of setting a good example as to what I think the coaching staff is going for. I think part of it is just veterans. They know what they're supposed to be doing. Maybe they're more coachable. Uh, The game comes to them more easily after all this time they've been in the league. I don't know what it is, but it's clear right now that the current starters haven't figured that out. I think part of it is chemistry. I am aware that it's been six games. And these guys haven't played together for a long time. Three of these guys can't even buy booze. But it's just going to have to come along. And I think you could maybe accelerate that process a little bit with some veteran leadership, somebody who's leading by example. Dante, you mentioned that lineup where you uh, swap out this mess of shooting guards and you slide Sadiq down to that position and you put Kelly in as the power forward. Yeah. It's an interesting idea. I don't even mind Grant as a small forward. I just... No, me neither. Me neither. I, I, I don't know. I don't know 
if it if it would take too much away from the bench. I don't like the idea of messing with their chemistry, but I guess I'm suggesting that anyway. But what I don't want to do is pull Stewart from the starting lineup because I am really happy with the defense, and I don't want us to lose that yet if we don't absolutely have to. But on the other hand, Stewart hasn't been that good. I'm not, I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but there's got to be somebody leading by example, and I just don't know if Cade should be expected to do that straight away. But at the same time, I think chemistry will be a part of that. The issue is, if you take Kelly off the bench, that you're basically going to have to play. Well, you can you can play Trey Lyles at center, I suppose. Otherwise, it's Garza. Now, I mentioned earlier a couple episodes ago that I, I thought it was a very strange decision on the part of Troy Weaver to not have a real bona fide third string center. Whether if you want to play Kelly and Isaiah Stewart together, or just if one of them gets injured. Right now, it's Garza. Garza has not looked good. Uh, really, he's been as, as advertised. I mean, his foot speed is not good at all. Can't really defend in space. And he's been pretty ineffectual as a role man and on offense in general. Really, all he can do is take spot up threes, and he can't really do that too well yet. The post game is non-existent, really, as we predicted it would be, because you just not many guys can do that in the NBA. It's hard to even get him the ball. Is uh, He's just not quick enough, so... Uh, and, you know, not even strong enough to establish position, unfortunately. So that's the problem. Then you're giving big minutes to Garza, and Garza will unhinge the entire bench unit. So, you know, as much as I've pilloried uh, Isaiah Hartenstein in the past, I kind of feel like, okay, keep Garza on that two-way contract and, I don't know, sign Hartenstein or some other, uh, some other center who can at least just play somewhat respectable rim defense and finish somewhat capably in the restricted area. But I don't. I don't think. The, I feel. I don't feel like the Pistons have the option to to start both Olenek and Stewart right now. I, I think that 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 option just doesn't exist. Well, well, let me ask you guys this because I think it, it's an interesting question. I agree with you, Mike, that uh, playing Garza heavy minutes would would pretty much derail um, the second unit unit's defense at least until when and if some offense too. Yeah, and the offense when and if some significant improvements are made. That's that's totally viable and true. My question is, like, does it matter? And why should I care? Like, we're one in five. We haven't looked competitive in a handful of these games, and there's only been a handful of games. And I almost wonder if putting the optimal offensive lineup around Cade when he does come back in full capacity is more important than having a competent bench unit because having a competent bench unit right now isn't doing anything for us in terms of winning games. And it's not doing anything for us in terms of player development because all of our developmental players are in the starting lineup. So it's like, who cares? Why does it matter? That's my uh, question. Because you don't want, it's not good for anybody if, if the team is a complete train wreck. I, I know mean, that that's, that's a it's significant not de- right now either. I know that, but I know it's a significant departure from how I was speaking about a year ago when the when I was upset that the Pistons had signed uh, Grant and Plumlee. But uh, yeah, it's not great right now, but I just, I don't think you can put Garza out there for significant minutes and and really play a proper NBA game. I mean, the guy just can't play defense right now and he can barely play offense. There's very little he can do and hopefully that'll change, but for now they're stuck with it. So yeah, uh, I see Iowa, where they played zone to hide this. I don't think that we want to change the, the makeup of our defensive lineup so we can make a two way, uh, a third string center work especially when the bench unit as it is, is like one of our strengths. And even though that's not, (laughs) that doesn't really 
instill a lot of confidence in what the team is right now. I just, I don't think that that's a, a good decision. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm just not sure yeah. what you do at this point. I mean, it's too early to say, okay, well, we need to make changes to the roster, of course, but there are some issues I see that uh, it's questionable as if they can be fixed without simply just the team beginning to shoot much better from three point range. That would solve a lot of problems, but you can't bank on that. No. Also the Pistons just aren't getting a lot of good opportunities. I mean, you think about the guys who are actually getting open threes like Olenek, Lyles, uh, who else? Pretty much nobody. I think, I mean, that's just, a, it's a, a symptom of the offense generating no defensive breakdown, mm-hmm. but uh, I mean, one thing, at least in the starting lineup that I think bears mention uh, and uh, I know this moves on to the subject of the centers. This moves on to Stuart Nolinick. And we talked about this before uh, last episode, I think, or maybe it was the, the episode before about preseason. Uh, for whatever reason, Dwayne Casey has decided that Isaiah Stewart should just be a traditional center for now, which I think is an utterly bizarre decision. Uh, because if Stewart is not able to stretch the floor, he's a very pedestrian and is an undersized and very pedestrian traditional center who's just not really going to offer you a great deal on offense. And like last season in the last 30 games alone, I think he took 70 something shots. If I remember the stat correctly, I looked this up yesterday outside of the paint through, uh, through five games uh, up until uh, up until up through the game against Orlando, he had attempted three in five games. I think he attempted two more tonight, but a steward who can stretch the floor as well as play good defense you know, and he shot well from mid-range last season also, you know, that's a valuable uh, a valuable player on offense because he's good at scoring the interior as well. Isaiah Stewart playing traditional center and providing no spacing, not so good. Not so good at all. So maybe he's just not up to speed right now and, and, and uh, Casey wants him to focus on his strengths. But it's been, I think it's been ugly with him offensively in the starting lineup. Yeah, so I guess this kind of takes it on to Kelly what would you guys do with him? Uh, would you, for me, I've gone back and forth on this because, like just yesterday, I thought, okay, Kelly Olynyk is a much better offensive player, and he moves the ball very well. Isaiah Stewart has really—I I can really only think of one good kickout pass that he's had. Uh, usually, when the ball goes to Stewart, he has good interior position. Like he—that's one of the things he prides himself on. He fights for it, and he hasn't been shooting it poorly from him. Uh, within, but the problem is right now he's not contributing a ton to the team offense. Uh, he's really, he's really just managed to get his own. And right now, I think what the team needs is a guy who can move the ball more effectively, and that would be Kelly Olynyk. On the other hand, Isaiah Stewart is legitimately anchoring a good defense, his his drop defense, and he's, the way he picks his spots when guys are driving, especially within pick and roll coverage. I don't know if the stats back this up, but. Uh, from my own eye test, I see a lot of at least potential there. I think he he covers that very very well uh, in terms of his foot mo- foot speed and just his movement. It's it's difficult to give that up. Like the team is legitimately establishing a defensive identity, and I don't want to lose that. So right now, it's not even the shooting that's the biggest thing to me. It's I want to see Isaiah Stewart work within the offense, and part of that is shooting, but a bigger part of that, I guess, in my mind, would be keep the ball moving because. There's just nothing of that right now in the starting lineup, and Isaiah Stewart is as guilty of that as anybody. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, it's just one aspect of what's been a very, very ugly offense in the starting lineup. Like I said, I question if he's really physically up to speed. He doesn't really look like he did last season as far as his movement on offense, and that's an important thing. 
Last season, he was constantly dashing around, uh, just very light on his feet and just very bouncy. Well, bouncy in the sense of just constantly changing directions and moving here and there. And he's been pretty sluggish so far. So maybe that will change with further conditioning. I mean, his season, his offseason really got derailed by that uh, by that ankle injury he sustained with the select team. Yeah, when it comes to Kelly, I mean, it's something to take into account is that Olenek is on the floor a lot against opposing bench players. So uh, that does really enhance his ability to contribute. You put him in the starting lineup and suddenly, yeah, uh, not only is he playing against more difficult opposition as an offensive player, and I've been impressed with what he's done with the bench unit. I mean, the guy's uh, he's good at attaining, excuse me, he's good at uh, achieving penetration often through the use of pump fakes. People will bite, and he's he hasn't shot too well, but he's a threat at least. And then he'll drive into the interior, and from there, he is good at finding the open man on the perimeter. And like in uh, against starter level centers or just starter level defenders, he might not really have quite the same success. But there's also the question of defense. Kelly Olenek is not going to anchor a successful defense. He is just not. He is a below average room protector. He's a below average interior defender. He is something of a switch risk. So I think that you're really reducing his effectiveness by putting him in the starting lineup. And uh, I mean, ideally, Stewart will go back to being able to shoot as well as he could last season in the, in the middle of the season. So, yeah, I, w- I would keep it as is. I know that there was talk about, not that there was talk, like the Pistons made their comeback against the 76ers late with uh, with Kelly Olenek in. He was playing against Drummond basically the entire time until Embiid came back in and put the game completely out of reach. Uh, Drummond, uh, I'll just take a moment to delight in the fact that he was horrible. <laughs> Like he played like 18 minutes, had two points, like five turnovers, and fouled out. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely have, have a good deal of resentment at that guy. Uh, kind of half joking. So, all right, final thoughts on this topic before we move on to user submitted questions. Yeah, I have I have a pretty good pretty decent feeling anyway about Kelly maybe being in the running for six man of the year I think he's been that good um I think he's been excellent on offense obviously but it's like you said Mike he's never going to anchor a successful prolific defense like I think Stewart maybe has the potential to do and I'm even hesitant to say that Stewart can ever be as good on offense as Kelly is right now but I think that um with Cade for example The hope is that Cade is that superstar creator, that superstar point guard. If you have Cade in the starting lineup and he reaches his maximal potential, I think it benefits us more long-term to have the defensive anchor in there um, instead of Olenek. So my ideas about sliding Kelly in at the four for this season, you know, maybe for some specialty lineups aside, I think long-term he's best served off the bench. And I I think that uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how Stewart progresses because I do think he can be a really special defensive player and, my thoughts on him um, on offense haven't changed. Um, I'm going to come to his defense a little bit because I still think that his touch around the rim for someone his age is special. Uh, I think he's high IQ, and I think he's going to be a good shooter. I think he's going to be, um, and that's based primarily on the way that his stroke looks uh, and his free throw shooting. You know, he's a decent free throw shooter for his position and for his size. I think that'll translate to, to shooting. So long term, I like Stewart there. Um, and I like Kelly off the bench short term. Maybe we can mess with those lineups a little bit, but, but overall, um, I'd say it's set up decently right now. I know Tommy had some more thoughts on this, but that's sort of where I stand. 
Yeah, I I guess just to close, it would it's worth mentioning to me that this lineup hasn't really had it. None of the lineups have had real stability or or consistency. You know, we haven't. Cade just got back. He played 19 minutes, and he's going to be a key piece of what this team is going to be. Uh, there's a butterfly effect there. You know, guys are going in and out of the starting lineup, in and out of the bench lineup. Some guys are playing one night and not playing at all the next. Uh, I think the t- the team just needs time. Uh, the offense that they're trying to get going, it's ambitious. And a big part of it is just going to be establishing chemistry between the guys who are on the floor with you, and that's just going to come from reps. So I think they need to stick with the lineup, stick with an identity, and then just learn to pass the ball. I would just like to see a little more effort. I wouldn't even mind like a lot of turnovers, and truthfully, they, they are – uh, still getting a lot of turnovers, but I I wouldn't mind it as long as it's I can see it leading to something bigger and better, and I think it will. You know, I've seen a few just offensive miscommunications. A guy cuts and the ball sails back behind him because he's not where he was a second ago. I think those are going to get cut down, and we're going to see a lot more useful offense. Uh, even the passes that the guys are throwing right now, a lot of times guys are catching it at their shoes, at their knees, off to the side, and that's just going to come with practice. So it's, it's something worth considering. Uh, We just need time. So that's what I would say about the offense. I'm going to try to reserve my judgment a little bit and wait for these guys to uh, establish themselves a bit more. Yeah. I just have two final quick thoughts. Number one is that we talked a lot last, uh, last season about Isaiah Stewart being a lot more than the stats and making just the players around him better, including on offense. And we really just haven't seen that this season. I'm just, I'm fairly convinced he's just not up to speed. Uh, number two, Kelly Olenek, as far as six man, has got a long way to go. He's going to have to score a lot more points and be a lot better from uh, three-point range. He's only at 30% right now, so hopefully that'll improve. I know that's I'm, I'm pretty much just uh, just saying, well, this is how I feel, and let's move on. Feel free to respond to it. Otherwise, move on to user-submitted questions. Yeah, yeah, we got a couple good ones. Um I think I'll start with probably the most pressing. Uh, Prophet wants to know how everybody's Halloween was. Um, let's see. I didn't do anything at all, which is as much as it's been on Halloween for a long time. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, same. I watched a basketball game. and uh, yeah, record, we're I watched recording the Pistons podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Did That's either of it. you guys go to a party? I went to a party. I was a stormtrooper. I don't know if you saw it in the Discord there, but that, that was fun. That was fun. I enjoyed myself. Um, Yeah. So there's that one. Very pressing. Uh, Next up. Yeah. A lot of questions here about the shooting guard position or or more specifically the two. Um, Yeah. Here's a good one. If you were forced to start one of Frank Jackson, Josh Jackson, or Hamadou Diallo, and we tackled a version of this earlier, but if you were forced to start one of those guys for the rest of the season, who would it be and why? Uh, So... In a universe in which Frank Jackson gets back to like 40% or above from three, then maybe you start him in that situation. He is a hit on defense compared to, say, Josh Jackson or even Corey Joseph. But if we're assuming that he will not be an elite three-point shooter, uh, then I would say Josh Jackson. I've got some confidence that he'll get his catch-and-shoot threes in order, and he is a good defender and a guy who moves well off the ball. So he would be my choice. Also, yep, I mean, awesome. then, then you have a lineup of five switchable defenders if you have Cade at the point guard. Yeah, I'm going Frank Jackson. And it's really more because, one, Hamadou has been invisible and his three ball is not falling. It doesn't look like it's going anywhere soon. And I don't 
think we should wait for that right now, at least not in the starting lineup. Josh Jackson uh, taught, hit on it a little bit earlier. I just don't think he's going to play within the offense. I think he's going to kind of be a walking hot hand fallacy on some nights, and he's just going to search for his own. And I don't think that's going to be good for what the offense is trying to become. So I think Frank Jackson takes the least away from Cade Cunningham's game, and that's the most beneficial to the long term right now. I don't think Frank Jackson is a long term uh, solution, but I think in terms of development and maximizing spacing, I have faith that he'll get back to Frank Jackson things eventually. Yeah, I don't, I don't have faith in in Frank getting back to it. There are some guys in the NBA who have a long leash because they have a track record, and there are guys who don't. Um, Frank doesn't have a long leash because Frank doesn't have a long track record. So when he gets into, you know, a really poor start to the season like this, it's not, oh, Frank is playing poorly right now. It's, is Frank a bad player? Um, and he might be. So I'm losing faith in him steadily um, and more and more by the game, quite honestly. So I'd love for the answer to this to be Hamadou Diallo. And maybe if you asked me a few days ago, it would have been. But I'm probably going to have to go with Josh Jackson. I think he offers the best blend of, you know, defense, athleticism, and theoretical shooting because some nights he's a decent shooter. So yeah, I, I guess we all had slight variations on that. And then I guess we can wrap up with this one. This is a good question. Uh, why do we <laughs> why do we sub out all of our starters at the same time? I think Dwayne Casey just likes continuity. Well, actually, in the first place, it's not, it's not actually the case. They generally don't sub out all the starters at the same time. Usually Bay and Grant stay on longer than the other three. But in the event that they are all subbed out at once, I think just Casey likes to run distinct units. Uh, he, I believe he liked to do the same thing last season. Even at the beginning of the season, you'd often see Rose and uh, Rose, somebody else, and then Stewart, Bay, and goodness gracious, who else was it? Whatever the case. Yeah, he, he did much the same thing last season. Yeah, there was a lot made by Dwayne Casey to start the season about how there is a starting group and there is a second group. And I think he just wants to preserve the chemistry between those guys, which, again, kind of pertains to what we were talking about with uh, there's just hasn't been a lot of continuity because we haven't been able to see those two lineups established. So maybe that'll come along, but I think that's what it is. I think Dwayne Casey just wants to establish chemistry. And part of that is going to be playing with a lot of the same guys for a lot of your minutes. Yeah. I I think his rotations in general um, serve to upset the fans. That's what I think they're for. Um, (laughs) a lot of the time there's no real rhyme or reason to them. I guess you could say continuity, but, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's fully accurate that all the starters come out at once. I I noticed it is, it is. No, No, it's not. Yeah. I was going to say because Bay and Grant stay out longer and sometimes Bay even stays out longer than Grant. So, I mean, yeah, not entirely accurate when they do all come out at once. It's just odd. Um, and I think it serves the, whoever it was who specifically asked that question, I think Casey is targeting you and he's trying to upset you. That's what I think. Fair enough. (laughs) All right, folks, that'll be it for tonight's episode or today's episode or whenever you listen to it. Uh, As always, thank you all for listening. We'll catch you in the next episode.